welcoming to the show, uh, Nathan Wallace, stand-up comedian. How's it going, man? I'm delightful. How about yourself? <laughs> oh, doing good, man. You know, just, uh, you know, it's the super moon, so everybody's like acting crazy right now. So it's just been a wild couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> And you're you're always very just constantly uh, chatting on Instagram and uploading videos of your standup. Yeah, I do that as much as I can. You know, it's uh, if if anything, I found the hardest part about comedy is social media, dude. Yeah, it, it telling people makes, I exist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like without it, you know, there was a time, you know, just shortly before I started comedy, where they didn't even have to do social media. You know, you. You went to the clubs, the clubs knew who you were, and you knew you were known in the community, but now without social media, the clubs don't even want to look at you, you know? Yeah, you could do some talent show and get some exposure there instead of rely on talk shows. Yeah, it's it's just like, before it was TV, now it's just how many followers do you have, you know? Yep. Uh, so... Uh... Uh, I, w- I was digging some of your various clips, and I get a very observational kind of comedy feel from it—a mixture of food, family, and just other kind of just workplace tropes. Uh, but how would you describe your your style and your various inspirations? Oh, my style? Ugh, I don't even know, dude. You know what my style is? Is just me having a good time. You know, if, if, first off, if I don't think it's funny, it's not going up there. And it's just me having a good time and pointing out things and just, I mean, literally, I I was I've been a plumber for 24 years, and uh, when I do comedy, it's that is me being able to be me, not worried about the family and the job and all the mm-hmm. things. It's like where I, you know, that's how it originally started. I just was like so sick of plumbing. You know, some people would call it a midlife crisis. I guess I started when I was 33, and I just like it's uh, not bad though. No, it wasn't bad. I just I, I went and did a mic. I did very well. I got my second show was a paid show, which is unheard mm. of. Like, yeah, so I I was doing pretty well with it. It was just it, it's the thing that made me okay. Like I felt like I was doing me finally, you know. And then and then I think through that, just for the fact that I was doing it for the pure joy of it, is why I kind of took off the way I did. Now I'm a no means famous you know I, i'm known i'm pretty well known around i've been on tv a couple of times and stuff like that but you know i i think in just in seven seven and a half years you know i've done a lot and that's just because of my love for it i think you know so as far as like what kind of comic i am i think i'm still figuring that out you know just recently i did a storytelling show oh. and i yeah it was nice it made me realize that i could just go up there with stories from my life and make people laugh. So that was pretty, pretty cool. Sweet. Uh, did you go to any uh, acting or theater school? Uh, I was in drama for four years. Hey, look at you go. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I was Dimitri in Midsummer's Night Dream. I was uh, the boy who was asked to turn blue and various other characters through plays. But, you know, I, I never, like, when I got out of high school, I was never like, oh, I'm going to be it. Actually, I take that back. I actually, my AV, where I was going, the AV teacher gave me a, a half ride to full sale. Uh, uh, but at that, yeah, I didn't have, at that time, I didn't have the other half. You know what I'm saying? So, gotcha. So, well, so I'm seeing a trend here. It, it seems like this is this goes with any job market, but it seems like you'll have. It's like the more diverse you are, the more you can have. Uh, just more opportunities, but it gets a little disheartening when, one time they're looking for this skill set, but then they're not looking for this other skill set. I will you know say, I mean? but, yeah, no, I, I get you on that. I. There was a couple times where I got disheartened. I really don't get disheartened that much, man, because, you know, I, it's just super fun for me. You know, I, I get disheartened when I get disrespected, maybe, you know, but then that does happen in in the community. It happens just because, unfortunately, there's always going to be bias in everything, you know, just because you're the best at something doesn't mean you're going to be the one that gets chosen. There's always someone insecure who wants to pick on the other guys. Yeah. I don't know if it's secure. I'm saying more like it's it falls down into the whole it's who you know, not what you know situation. You know, oh, so fair if, if the people at the top are biased and they're gonna pick who they who they choose, even though 
maybe that person isn't the one, but they just really like them. You know, they click with them. And so in that time, it's hurt a couple of times from that, especially in competitions. But short of that, I'm just really happy to do it. And now I actually make money at it. So that's nice. I've been making pretty good money and, uh, you know, nothing crazy. You know, I, I almost, I still almost show a loss every year, but at least I'm not like the first two years I would sleep in my car. I would, Oh man. You know, my 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 second year of comedy i was eight negative eight thousand dollars i lost eight thousand dollars doing comedy i'm sorry and, uh, no i mean there's no reason to be sorry it was a chasing a dream you know think about people who go to college to do something yeah uh, they, they lose two hundred thousand dollars oh yeah you know? and just very unreasonable like... yeah so i mean it's like so you know, if if you want to do something you're, you're gonna have to pay you're gonna have to pay the dues i mean that's just how it works in this country I mean, in general so. mm -hmm. yeah um uh, and uh what, what comedy clubs have you been to in which states uh i work every comedy club in florida and all right that, you know that's, that's off the hook mccurdy's the improvs uh porky's lol all these things madcaps um off the hook off the hooks kind of become my home club recently that's down in naples florida uh, my home club used to be the laugh and comedy cafe in fort myers i was the house mc for a year there my first year and Wait. uh but they 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 changed owners mm. so after, it became a little more corporate so uh, at, when that happened uh brian spina a great guy he you know he some people you know aren't fans but uh, I, I think he's a good guy and uh he's been giving me whatever spots i want down there off the hook so that's been working out and uh outside of the state uh i do all kinds of stuff i just got back from the bahamas i was in the bahamas for two weeks doing the joker's wild in the atlantis resort cool. uh yeah i'll be in the south point hotel in vegas in september um uh, heading to austin in september we got dallas pennsylvania i i i, perf I I like the South is where I prefer to work okay. uh, just because it's, it's warm. <laughs> I don't like the cold. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> so, yeah. So I like to go wherever it's warm and, and uh, that's about it. <laughs> I went to, I went to Colorado for a week doing shows one time and <laughs> by, like the third day I was screaming at people. I was like, you know, you don't have to live here. Right. <laughs> you can, you can go, go to the war. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, where are you out of? I'm in, I, I'm not too far. I'm in Dallas, Texas. But yeah, uh, other than Hyenas Comedy Club, uh, I've been kind of a little disheartened just seeing kind of too many has been, not to sound like smack talking. Uh, there was either kind of lately kind of a mixture of comedians going out of their way to kind of be controversial, like I'm on a canceled tour or even people kind of doing various like they just kind of got a lot of has-beens lately and i was like eh, eh let me know when you're actually kind of ready to just you know send some big big name talents like from mad tv or who's line <laughs> i love i love that your big big name talents are from mad tv well i mean <laughs> you're like you know that show that was on 25 years 25, ago. 25 <laughs> yeah way too late <laughs> You know what? I don't like has-beens. I want guys from the Mad TV show. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are in their 60s now. Well, like, they had people who were just, like, kind of had... Okay, so putting it lightly, they have kind of become noted for kind of running out of material, if you will. So, like, I wasn't just kind of tempted to go see them. But I'm not saying... That's the case with all of them. There, there's plenty of others who come by through there. Uh, uh, Harry Spears would come through there. Uh, Pablo Francisco. Uh, there's there's room for everybody. I, I just uh, I I'd prefer if they did more than just open mic nights and actually kind of had just a few other just kind of ensembles there. But uh, it, it's changing, and I, I I hope it keeps getting better. But I'll be in Dallas. Um... September twentieth and twenty first. Uh, I'm doing. Yeah, I'm there with Henry Cho. I'm opening for Henry Cho. Very cool. Yeah, so I think there's. Is, you have a theater there, like a comedy theater there. I think. Yeah, there's the 
Addison and Arlington Improv, and then there's plenty of other ones. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah, there's I, something. I can't. I can't even remember what it is. It's a theater. It's not. It's not the comedy club. It's the theater there. Uh, huh. But but you know a lot of that happened to a lot of comedy clubs. You know, whenever uh, after COVID hit, they just kind of lost the money to bring in the big names, and then people they just stopped kind of going. Oh, did you just hear that? It's my son out there. Uh, yeah, but kind of. <laughs> Oh, could you hear it? It was like a. Oh, I, I just literally heard just a whoosh. Like, uh, okay, yeah. he thinks he's a dinosaur. So. Oh, nice. Hey, yeah. have you ever thought of joking about dinosaurs and creature features and horror movies in your acts? <laughs> no, not yet. I mean, I I really don't know. You know, the jokes just tend to come. I'm, I I, I see something and I think it's funny. You know, and then I'll work on it for a little bit. I write a little bit differently. A lot most comics like sit down and write, you know, in a book. I don't I don't do that. I I have about two hours of material that's just written in my head and how I keep track of it. I don't know. I've never been able to keep track of anything like that in my life. But for some reason, jokes I can just keep them. I don't know. I write them and I actually write them in my head like I don't know how to explain it, but there are quite a few cute mediums that I've met that are exactly the same way, you know. So, no, that's a good point. I, it, it, when you latch on to it, it's like it's got to be said, it's got to be performed somehow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I usually, usually in the performance of it, I'm writing it. It's no I different than up. writing a speech or an ology from, I don't know, just doing a toast to someone. It's like, I want to say this and I know when and where. And I'm gonna own it. I'm gonna absolutely <laughs> dominate it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh who who are some other comedians you followed growing up or who even if they didn't necessarily inspire you, you just would see every show they were doing, uh, either on Showtime or HBO or just at a live event. You know, what's funny about that is that uh Henry Cho. You know, Henry Cho <laughs> when I when I was a kid. You know, he was a, he's a clean comic, so we were allowed to watch him when I was a kid. Yeah. We'd watch him with the family, and we all loved Henry Cho, you know. And uh, then he comes to laughing here in Fort Myers, and I just happened to be hosting for him. <laughs> and he took a liking to me, man, and he's been taking me around. I mean, he's given me more opportunities than anyone. I mean, a lot of people have given me good opportunities, but this guy has taken me and put me in front of the, the people, you know, the, That's the cool. people that matter. So, yeah, it was pretty cool to meet someone that you always looked up to. And then he was so awesome and then was like, liked me too and took me along with him, you know? So it was, it was pretty cool. He actually took me for one joke. It was one joke he liked and it was, uh, I read an Amelia Earhart book. It said in there that she had a male co-pilot, which blew my mind because that means she didn't <laughs> even trust women to fly, you know? <laughs> and the joke since then has like moved on and it's a big long joke that i tell now but that was just the joke when i met him and he thought that was so funny that's and, cool. uh, yeah i know i you know it's just weird how you meet somebody like that and that's that's in like i said i'll be in dallas with him and we're going been to a minute since i've seen that stand up he did uh what's that clicking noise <laughs> yeah exactly you know you know it's funny he does like a he does like a uh questionnaire at the end of a show and everyone still asks do clicking noise they love this joke i mean that dude could still tell that first set and everybody would be okay with it that's that's, cool. that's what's wild about it yeah he's <laughs> yeah he just actually uh he was just the 50 he was the first comic inducted into the grand Ole opry in 50 years mm. yeah they just did that as like three yeah. four months ago you get some kind of accolade <laughs> Oh, that's a huge accolade. I mean, I mean, he's the first comic in 50 years to be inducted into the Grand Ole Opry. It's pretty impressive. So, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's the first time I asked. I said, I said, what's the, I said, do you get to go to a special like waiting room or you got like, a, he's like, yep. He's like special break room. Uh, could you imagine who's in there? You know, it's got to be like Reba McIntyre, all these big names in there. It's going to be crazy. So, I'm I'm sure there's something, yeah. <laughs> someone uh, yeah. who he's worked with for years. <laughs> you know, I used to like too was Gallagher. I was a big fan of Gallagher, mm. and uh, I'd seen him twice at the Barroom Man, smashing the fruit, and all this. And then you just like that when you're a kid in that age group. And then I I got to meet him actually. I got to work with him. I opened for him for a weekend, and uh, at the end of the weekend. 
I go up to him, I go, I go, listen, man, you've been, I've, I've loved you forever. Da, da, da. And this is my favorite joke that you used to tell. And he goes, that isn't my joke. And I was <laughs> like, no, I was like, no, that's your joke. Like, Why am I arguing with this guy? I'm telling you, he's like, that's not, I was like, it's, it's your joke, bro. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and he just walks away. And I looked it up. It was George Carlin. <laughs> Bummer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk about, yeah, foot in the mouth. You know what I'm saying? So. And what do they call that nowadays? Pwned? Owned? <laughs> I don't know what. I don't know what it was. I still call it foot in the mouth. I just, <laughs> yeah. He died shortly after that. So he just died hating me. That's wonderful. <laughs> It's oh, probably on his deathbed. He was like, screw Nathan Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Uh, so, uh, so you're going to a lot of the big, big giant stand-up shows and everything. And like you say, it does seem hard to kind of ride the line between uh, just doing over-the-top comedy versus more clean PG-13 esque uh, humor. Uh, why do you think it's just so hard for people to kind of just get a sense of how they promote their kind of comedy? Like, I'm not even talking just edgy or be, being over the top versus doing something that could be cancel worthy, but like just showing this is my brand, this is what I do, you know what to expect from me. And not always having social media on your side. Well, I think with comedy, it, you know, people do really try to brand themselves. There's a lot of people that just really want to, this is my brand. This is what I am. Finding out what you are is the hardest part of it. You know, mm-hmm. you know, if they, you know, they call it finding your voice, you know, and I think the guys that really have a really strong brand are the guys who are just themselves. You know, they're they're just being themselves and by being themselves they've created a brand of them. So then at that point it no longer is it hard to be that person all the time and show and keep that brand steady. And uh, you know, growth your band is gonna change. A perfect example of that is is for me is Bill Burr. You know, when he first started out, his brand he was so angry, you know, and it was hilarious and it was so funny. And you can tell as he got along, I mean, heck, in the last special he did the Red Rocks, he almost cried. I think he did cry. Uh, hey, so, you know, but at least he had a sigh of relief just showing, hey, I put on a show. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, he, well, he cried about a thing, you know, with his daughter. And so it's just if you are true to you, which is the hardest thing to be because everyone's telling what you should be. And uh, when I first started, you know, I, I when I worked at the Laugh-In for that year, the guy there was straight up about clean comedy. So he was very adamant about me being clean all the time. And so I became that person and it was good, but it wasn't exactly who I am. I'm, you know, I'm not a person that's sitting there running around dropping the F-bomb constantly and doing these things. I, I, I try to never say it on stage, even when I'm doing dirtier sets, but I am an adult. I am a man. I am from the nineties. You know what I'm saying? So like mm-hmm. I have this side about me that not only is a little dirtier, but wants to speak about real things. You know, I don't want to sit there and sugarcoat you and be like, Oh, my son, this, which I do talk a lot about my family and things, but I would prefer to talk about real, you know, I'd, I'd prefer to be real. And right. uh, so when you mix all that stuff together, eventually you hope that you find your voice. I, I think I'm getting closer to it. Uh, that, that definitely that storyteller show helped me a lot because it was the first time I went up there with just like ideas and just stories from my life and just told them truthfully for what they are and, and was able to get a lot of laughs and just have a great time that night. And so that, that moved me in a different direction. So like, the first question you came out with, like, what kind of comic do you think you are? I think I'm still working on that. You know, I, I know I'm funny. I've proven that over and over and over and over again. But as far as what exactly I am, I think I'm still still trying to figure it out. You know, I, I'm not That's sure. That's true, I, though. It's hard to find a proper in-between. Yeah, because I, I like being clean. Like, when I'm with Henry Cho, it's a squeaky clean show. I have to be... Mm-hmm. 
squeaky clean. Uh, if I go, so a lot of times what I'll do if I, when I'm headlining a weekend, uh, the early show will be a clean show and the late <laughs> show will be a dirty show. You know, that's, you know, that's how I think it should be a lot of times. Uh, but you know, it's not like that. I mean, I have all these sets and you know what? The reason I have clean and dirty too, is because when I first started out, I wanted to do cruise ships. I thought I'm 33. I can uh, kill it. <laughs> well, well, the reason, you know, what I was thinking is I'm 33 and, and everybody's telling me it takes 15 to 20 years to become a comedian, which didn't, wasn't the same for me. I was able to kind of break out of the box very quickly. And, and now I'm headlining, you know, I'm headlining 80 shows a year, nice. you know, and I'm, uh, yeah. So, and I'm, and I'm, <laughs> you know, and I'm featuring 150 of them, you know? So it's like, I was able to break out quickly. So in my mind, I was like, okay, Think about cruise ships because you're going to be old by the time you're any good. So let's write clean and let's write dirty. So I would write one clean joke and one dirty joke and one clean joke and one dirty joke because you have to have both in order to cruise ships. So nice. and that's just kind of how the set came together. And now I have all this stuff, but I, I do lean towards the adult stuff more. I just like I, I'm an adult. I'm 40 years old. You know what I'm saying? I like to talk like adults. You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. that, that doesn't mean being gross. It doesn't mean being over the top. Same here. Mean, we use language, but we're just using just like figure of speech, like someone's being a jerk or something, instead of, hey, you know, get as X-ray as you can. It's like, no, no, we're not we're trying to offend anyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or even like, um, just or be gross. <laughs> adult adult topics, you know, in general. Mm -hmm. I'm uh. I'm loving this joke I just wrote recently, and uh, it's kind of where I'm leaning. It's just like uh, it's a, my my son asked me how the government works. <laughs> I took him outside. I put a blindfold on him. I gave him a stick. I spun him in a circle, and then had him swing at a pinata that wasn't even there. Oh wow! <laughs> After a while, he pulled the blindfold off, and I was eating the candy. And he goes, <laughs> "I want some of that candy." I said, "I'm sorry, buddy. I sent the rest of it to the Ukraine." Oh, <laughs> he said, I'm telling mom. So I went on Twitter and called him a liar. And that's how the government works. There you go. <laughs> and that, that's the kind of stuff I want to talk about. Just adult subjects in a way. It doesn't have to be dirty. It doesn't have to be gross. It's just, it's something for us. You know what I'm saying? But I do, I do have some gross jokes as well, you know, so. I don't know if that answers the question. No, that that, that totally. I, that's more than enough. It's interesting how people are afraid to do metaphors or something, and it's like it doesn't have to be like you say. It doesn't have to be gross out. It just has to be kind of like, oh, see what I did there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's been good. It's taking me. Comedy's taking me a lot of places. I mean, when I started comedy, I had left Florida only two times in my entire life. Uh, it's Florida boy. You know, I was married here, kids here, owned a house here. And since then, I've seen a good chunk of the country. Uh, and the Bahamas, obviously, and, and all kinds of places now, you know. So it's been pretty awesome. That's cool. And uh, so uh, how many clubs do you recommend most people kind of just go out and tour especially because you never know about the traffic is different every night. You want to go often when it's busier on another night or when there's a certain kind of crowd expecting certain kinds of humor. Uh, but uh, how do you recommend others map it out other than just test out the waters? What are you talking about? People going to watch comedy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, well, well, just like uh, for, for those getting into standup, uh, how, how do you recommend like they figure out which, uh, crowds they should try and uh, I'm not saying go ahead and play Russian roulette with but like just try and just figure out like this is probably the most ideal crowd for me to perform in front of oh there's no way to figure that out <laughs> if, if, you, if you're going to be a, if you're going to be a comedian you just go tell jokes this is what I tell people when because every single show you get at least five people oh I would love to be a comedian I just don't know how to start you just That's do it, it. You literally just do it, dude. Like my first show was at a tattoo parlor. Oh and wow! But he's like, yeah. He goes, oh, there's an open mic at this tattoo parlor. They they did everything. They did music, poetry, and comedy. 
and uh they would literally like i literally just went up there and did it and never stopped doing it i mean people people including myself with a lot of things we forget the whole way to do things is just to do the thing you know there was a guy who was like i wonder what would you know is there something we could roll on and then he made a wheel you know what I'm saying? You just you just have to do it, you know. And it's the same with comedy. You can't eventually you'll be able to pick and choose your crowds, but for the most part, you just have to get on the stage and learn how to work them out. I think that's why Florida is a great place to start comedy, especially and to work out at comedy because we have such a variety of people here. And then not only that, you, every pretty good amount of times you get thrown a whole room full of elderly people, you know. That's cool. And they're they're retired from across the United States. So you have to be able to take a room full of people who all came from different places. They're all yeah. from different backgrounds. They've all lived a full life and you have to make them laugh. So if you can do that, you can primarily make anybody laugh except for college students. They're, they're a pain in the ass. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that too. I, I, and I'm not say, trying to damn all college students, but it, it's, uh, at different events, uh, I, I would see so many people I was intrigued by, like from poets to other public speakers to, you know, even colorful comedians or politicians. And I was like, see, but they came here and look at how they're talking and everything. And I, I would see people just kind of just rudely texting on their phone in the back. I'm like, you do know you're not even supposed to have that on, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if we could, how, how old are you, by the way? I'm in my 30s, but. Uh, in your 30s so yeah uh, so i've had appreciation for appreciation for all eras especially of comedy but it's just interesting when you see kind of a lack of just can't go anywhere without just throwing my head into my phone and it's like really <laughs> Why? the phone's a big issue but i think also you know when, when you're talking about college students and younger people you know when when you're young like that you just didn't you know you don't care you know, you don't, you're, it's, it's about you. you. You haven't really got the wisdom of the world yet behind you. So there's, you know, and then also let's say, let's say I'm up there telling comedy to someone who is 21, right? <laughs> Man, the, the difference, the, the gap of my knowledge and their knowledge, not saying that I'm smarter, but my knowledge is different. I'm, you know, I know I'm referencing the nineties and the early two thousands and uh, up to this point. And a lot of the things from the earth, from the nineties and early two thousands, they don't even know. They don't even know it existed. Right. Know? That, if, that one, the Amelia Earhart joke, you know how many people don't even know who the hell Amelia Earhart is. I'm seeing that. I'm seeing people even discover comedians who are kind of bigger now. I hate to say this now that they passed, like Mitch Hedberg's kind of trended a lot. And now with our political climate, I'm seeing people try to misinterpret jokes. I'm like, no, no, no. That rewriting a joke does not work. Listen to what he's saying. Look at a write-up on it if you're in doubt, but don't misinterpret the joke to mean something else. <laughs> that happens all the time, man. Yeah. It does, but it's just like, yeah. well, what are we trying to do here, man? It's just laugh or don't. Shoot. <laughs> with, with me, it's uh I do, you know, I do fat material, obviously. But <laughs> yes. uh so I do a section of the fab material in the middle and the whole section is pro fat. It's like, cause I'm, I'm a guy. I, I just, I just believe if, if you're fat, you chose that lifestyle. Now live it, be that person, you That's know, true too. And, and, don't be ashamed. And, and, <laughs> don't be ashamed. If, if you, if you, if you don't want to be fat anymore, then don't be. Chocolates and we cheese all are know, my drug. I'm not ashamed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I should be able to, I, but at the same time, I want to say I can live that life and people shouldn't shame me and tell me constantly I need to lose weight and tell me constantly these diets they're doing. And, you know, I just don't want to hear, you know, nobody, I, nobody goes up to a, I, I say, uh, I say a lady could walk in on all fours and say she's a dog and we'd all be like, oh, you're a dog. Look at you. You're a little doggy. Oh, you pooped on the floor. But then she could look at me and go rough. You need to lose weight. You know, I say, so Bruce could be Caitlin, but I can't be fat. This is bullshit. <laughs> you know, so it's like, I, so I do this whole fat thing and I do, it's pro fat about how we need bigger chairs, all these things. It's not fair. They're making us fat, but they're not giving us the infrastructure for it. And that's true uh, too. And that, Everything is systematic. <laughs> oh, it's it's crazy. So so they're making us all these bigger people, but they're not making bigger things for anybody. Isn't it funny? You know? I wonder how much you wanted to work this into your material. Isn't it so such a hoot how half the time the person telling someone they got to do a life change is all all just as unmovable they're the do as i say not as i do kind of person 
I met a lady. She told me this is after I did the whole thing about let me be me. And I seen her out there applauding during the whole thing. Right. <laughs> and then after the show, she comes up and she's like, you really should think about losing weight. Meanwhile, wow. she's got these giant Botox lips. Her face is pinned back to her ears. I'm like, I'm like, honey, you look like a weird science experiment. You know, it's like, yeah. why are you judging me for me? All that is, and, and I've just learned it, is all that it is is insecurities of themselves. Exactly. And, and they want it, they want to push it on you, you know. Yep. It, it, it shows me in a bad light, so therefore I better tell other people so they can cover up my imperfections. I can hide yeah, in the I mean, crowd. Sometimes I think sometimes I look at myself and I go, Yeah, you know, maybe I should lose some weight. And then I think about all the things I would have to do to do that and I go, Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> You know, so, you know, I just learned to live with this. I, I'm okay with this. You know, I sometimes I think, oh, yeah, maybe slim down a little bit. But, man, I went to the gym right before our wedding, and I lost a bunch of weight. This was 20 years ago. And I've seen enough old man balls at that gym to last a lifetime, bro. <laughs> and I, I, I just can't do it again. I, I Man, I can't do the naked old men again, man. I just can't do it. Now. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it used to like, get a home gym. I had a home I gym once. It just held, held clothes. I hated going to this one gym because I kid you not, like certain people, as soon as I walked in, would just start looking at me. I'm like, do you want an autograph, buddy? I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Why are you looking down lower at <laughs> <laughs> that's what they're there for they're there to see you in the nude and they hang out in the locker rooms some of the dude i had one time i was had my body facing the locker rooms there's a mirror like off to the right and i look in the mirror and there's a guy looking me dead in the eye in the mirror butt naked flossing with a towel between his junk and i was just like i was like i can't come here anymore I'm like I'm yep. just gonna have to, you know. And then, so then I I tried just like working out and getting in my car, but then my car stunk all the time, you know. Mm -hmm. You get in there all sweaty. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna be fat. I was like, I'll just be fat and just be happy. <laughs> you know, it's like whatever. You know, because the Buddha was fat, Santa Claus was fat. I mean, you know, I am Christian. Jesus wasn't fat, so that kind of hurts me sometimes. <laughs> you know? but, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, but that that was some other kind of very truth in there yeah it's talking about insecurities talking about just life changes and even just let's say it's not even a exercise or food mentality uh, it, it's also interesting when you see people who kind of just want to just make everything a big deal and it's like well yeah, unless you want something to come from this, this whole conversation has been a waste of your breath. <laughs> it's like people don't yeah. know how to be constructive and mix comedy into it. Yeah, they don't. People, you're right about people don't know how to be constructive, and I think a lot of that just comes from you know hate for self. You know, because when you sit back and you dislike yourself internally, which a lot of us do, we don't even let the world know that we're doing it, and we dislike ourselves, we hate ourselves. We can never move forward. We can never move past. So that comes out in ways of them lashing out at you and making you want to change and then and, and never being able to move past. You know what I'm saying? Until you can like yourself, until you can stop hating yourself, you're never going to get wisdom. You're never going to get that that mindset of, okay, I can move past all of this. You know, I, I, I say move past the past you know it's, can, can it's you, past tense <laughs> yeah can we move past the past because uh, everyone wants to sit in their mind and hate on themselves and then that hate boils out into the world and they never get wisdom you know the first the first step to wisdom is learn to love yourself and once you right. can do that all that fog goes away and you can actually start growing as a person you know so it's like half the time people don't want to uh, just grow in general <laughs> no you know what i think maybe they do want to grow but they don't have the right tools and they've never been helped and uh just in their mind you know like i said when when you dislike yourself you're never gonna let yourself grow <laughs> you true know? 
<laughs> you know, you're just going to beat yourself up constantly. I mean, the, the, the person, unless you're a narcissist, you know, then you have your own issues, but every other person is just beating themselves up constantly. And you just, it's going to happen. You know, there's days where you just get down on yourself, but you have to move past that in order to become better, you know? So right. If we could all just forgive ourselves, we'll be able to forgive everyone else too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, forgiveness is definitely a thing that kind of goes to stages where it's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, who's how many times have you been like, oh, I'm stupid. Ah, damn, I hate myself. You know, <laughs> you yeah. know, like why did I do that? You know, we think about stuff in the past, and that that it clogs everything. It, it it's unnecessary, and and you can't see straight until you get rid of that. So, I don't know. But I don't know if we're just gonna keep talking about that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. We're, we 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 do this in stages. Uh, but uh, so, uh. When you write down jokes, do you have any recommendations for how to kind of document your jokes for anyone else who has ideas but doesn't know how, how to organize themselves? <laughs> well, like I said, I don't write anything down, man. I just write it all in my head. <laughs> you know, I I write down so if a joke is if joke if a joke is set in stone and that is definitely gonna be a joke in my set, I, I write it I write a name of it. I create a name for the joke and I put it down in a notebook. Nice. Okay. And that's just so if I ever do need to write out a set list, I can kind of pull from that notebook and just write down a list of what I want to do. Uh, so, I mean, but short of that, I really don't. I really wish I did write a little better. I wish I would, would sit down and write out each one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I suffered from dyslexia when I was a kid, so writing is still just like very difficult for me. Uh, it's it's not even like I I have nice handwriting now and I work a job where I'm constantly filling out paperwork and all this I could do it it's just like it gets my mind gets jumbled with it and then I hate the joke and then and it's it's less of a hate of joke and more of a hate of self you know like I just like get frustrated with my lack of punctuation and things like this so when I read the joke back I don't see it like it was in my head you know Right. So that's what that's why I just kind of write in my head. I mean, I you know I have a full hour ready to be recorded right now that I wrote in my head and I can recite it to Please. you and, and perform it right now. You know what I'm saying? That's so, good. Yeah, and I've well, already put I've already put down two half hours that I don't use any longer. You know, so. uh, do you think uh, some of us just we cling to these jokes to where they're just like they're just like having a photographic memory, like they're ingrained in our mind, while others you want to practice a few times just to get the hang of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, you know what's funny is that sometimes I'm really bad about it. Like I enjoy writing the joke mm-hmm. and once I wrote it and it's working like phenomenally, a lot of times I just throw it away. It's still there. It's written in the notebook, but I move on because there's only like a, we only, I mean, on a good night, if I'm headlining, I have 60 minutes. Most night you have 50, 50 minutes and a lot of times you have 45. And then if I'm featuring, I have 20 to 25. Mm-hmm. There's just not enough time. You know, there's not enough time. It's unfortunate because it's how I write a joke is on stage. So there's not enough time to write the new jokes and do these old jokes. So once a joke is working properly, I usually put it on the back burner and then I, and I pull it out, at, you know, whenever I have time to do it. You know, I'd, I've written so many jokes that are just sitting in a notebook as a name of a joke, you know, <laughs> and I could, it's, you could just, my, my son does it to me all the time. He'll just point out a name and a thing and I just recite the joke to him, you know, Sweet. but yeah. So, but, uh, it's just sitting in there. I mean, some really nice jokes and I, they never even get told people come to me and they go, how you don't tell this joke anymore? Like, eh, well, you know, I'm trying to write other jokes. You know? I've moved on. So, I thought it was funny then. I don't find it funny anymore. <laughs> I still always find them funny. I find them all oh, funny. So okay. I, it's because because if they if it makes the notebook, it's literally been worked out for months. You know, it's been right. it started as a joke that wasn't. Sometimes you get them right away and they're amazing. But usually it starts as a joke that's just okay. It's a premise, and I'm throwing stuff at the wall, seeing what sticks with people, and then adjusting and moving and adjusting and moving and adjusting it usually takes about three months to get a joke like really really fire and then once it's fire it's done i don't 
I don't need to mess with it again. And until later, I'll bring it back and I'll perform it better. And then, and then I'll throw a couple extra tags in it. This is like an ongoing, endless process. If if you're not writing every single day, you're not doing it. You know, because what happens is like you talked about the guys that are stale, they're coming through and it's the same guys doing the same jokes. And they're just, they've already made their money and they're just going through the motions, getting a paycheck, you know? Yeah, it's too overstaged. (laughs) Yeah. And I've never, I've never looked at it as a paycheck. You know, if I, if I wanted to have endless money, I would just keep plumbing. You know, I, you know, I, I made so much money plumbing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know, I own my house outright, you know, in Florida, <laughs> you know, so it's there like, I've done, I've done pretty good for myself plumbing, but, uh, so, so comedy has never been like that thing. Like when I said I lost $8,000 the first, the second year, it didn't even bother me. You know, it's not that I had all this money because I didn't, you know, I, I, I mean, I had money, but it just didn't bother me because I didn't care. I, I, I only cared about telling the jokes. And as long as you keep that fire. And I, and I learned that from these older guys. I see these guys, man, they're burned out. They're done. They could give two shits about doing comedy and they just come out and they do it because, you know, it's a paycheck and that's just what they've been doing for the last 30 years. But they, they honestly just don't even like it anymore because to them, they wanted to be rich. They wanted to be the star. You know, they wanted to be the Bill Burr. They wanted to be these things. I've never really, although it would be wonderful, I've never really had that, you know, mm-hmm. like where I just, you know, I'm not chasing fame. I'm not chasing money. I'm chasing happiness. You know, I just want to be happy and Good point. love the love what I do. You know? Love it in the moment. Love it in the moment. Love it all the time. Love that when I get to sit down with and just think about jokes, you know, it's funny because I'll sit in front of a piece of paper and never write anything, but I'm writing jokes the whole time. It's just in my head, you know. So, cool. but for some reason, sitting in front of the piece of paper helps, you know. So I don't know, uh, but I just don't, you know. I I do it for that. I, I forget the initial cool. question. Yeah. Uh, altogether, would you say that uh, technology has kind of spoiled us a bit, like in terms like of just coming, in, up, coming up with material in, or just oh. Like just in general as anything or just as in comedy? Yeah, like I'll see people who are like, I had never had any interest, but now that TikTok's a thing. <laughs> as they're right and everything, yeah. it just seems like we're a little more distant. People are worried about, like you say, clicks versus content substance. Yeah, well, I mean, the TikTok thing is weird because like I know a lot of guys who are really great, like uh, Quinn Dale. Have you ever heard of Quinn Dale? Uh, no. Very but funny comedian. He's like blowed up on TikTok. But what what's funny is he, you know, the way he writes a joke, it takes him a long time to write a joke. He has tons of jokes. Been doing it for a very long time. He's been on Comedy Central and things like this. Uh, but he started on TikTok, and his jokes are perfect for it. They're one-liners, kind of, you know, very set up, a little bit edgy, but not super edgy. And he just blew mm-hmm. up on there. But then they come out, and they they the people from TikTok come to his shows, and they're like, "Oh, we heard that one on TikTok already." He's like, yeah, I know. These are my jokes, <laughs> you know. So I mean, it it, it is it is what. I'm everyone... sorry you heard it. You're gonna keep hearing it. Yeah, you're gonna keep hearing. It. I'm sorry you heard it, but yes, these are the jokes. It took me a decade to write this hour, and and now I put it all on TikTok, and now you guys are like, I need new jokes, and he's just like <laughs> frantically trying to write these new jokes, but it takes him a long time. He, he he's a perfectionist, so each joke takes so much time for him to write right so yeah and and that way technology is definitely and 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 everybody's a a one minute world you know they need it in one minute you know is it good in one minute in it to win it yeah (laughs) yeah you got it you got one minute to win it and that's it if it isn't good then it's good uh and social media is the most pain in the butt thing to be i only do instagram right now yeah i was trying finding better clicks on there too yeah, I was trying to do everything, and uh, I just, man, I don't like TikTok. I just don't like it. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's my age group or something. I'm just not a fan of it. It's just well, like constant manja, 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 manja. And it's gonna know. be replaced eventually by something else. 
yeah exactly and but then, that's uh, just it everyone's like oh it's got to be no 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 it's like you sound very impatient guys <laughs> that's why i like insta i think insta is more my age group you know my demographic you know so yeah i definitely get more clicks there versus twitter which seems to be hot take number one through five i'm like okay and yeah i don't do twitter at all i just find now it it's acts. <laughs> like who came up with that i have no idea i don't i try to mess it. i'm on facebook and i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna start doing youtube you know it seems like youtube's not going anywhere you know, right. So, I think I think it'd be smart to do that. Uh, we were actually thinking about my son. We do a lot of videos. I don't know if you've seen them on there, like promotional videos with my family in it and everything. I think I saw one, and, but not yeah, all. we've been we've been doing those for years. And uh, so I was talking to my son and my wife about maybe putting together like a small show where it's just mm-hmm. a four minute show every week. You know, you get four minutes of episode, five minutes of episode. And it just continues on. So it's almost like a rolling soap opera type situation. It really is, so yeah. Yeah, so we're thinking about doing something like that. We've been writing that. And uh, it's nice when my wife's involved because she has a college degree and all these things. So I can just dictate to her and she'll actually put it down on, on the computer. You know? <laughs> so, That's cool. Yeah, it works out. It works out. Like that. <laughs> Very neat. Uh, yeah. Anything that... Uh else that's upcoming that you'd love to promote uh just check check me out at open bar you know open bar (laughs) comedy that's uh it's it's not dry bar it's open bar and it's on youtube (laughs) i actually have a special that just dropped there about a month ago and uh, some of the clips you'll see that's some of the clips i'm putting on instagram uh but yeah the open bar comedy special has been it's been awesome it's it's funny because that that shot almost a year and a half ago and now I watch it, and I, I mean, I'm like, man, I performed these jokes so much better now. You know, <laughs> uh, it's just like Sweet. a couple of them I kept, but I've dropped a bunch of them out of the set just because now they're on tape. You know, so right, uh, don't want to be too but, predictable. Yeah, you know, if the, if people are seeing it online, it's the it's the Quindale thing. If people are seeing it online, then they're gonna want new material when you come and actually see it. You know, mm-hmm. and so just uh, I probably about. I, I was in the Bahamas for that two weeks and I, I wrote about 15 minutes while I was there and uh, about nine of it is working really well. So uh, I'll continue to use that nine and then try to write another nine and another nine. You know, it's usually, usually I'll write probably about 20 minutes of jokes when I, when I get on like a writing binge and then uh, I'll write the 20 minutes of jokes and usually about 10 up, but 10 minutes work usually. Wait, normal. Yeah, yeah, and and you're right, because that's why I write so many. Because if if I write ten, that means only five is probably gonna work. Or maybe if I write five minute joke, only two minutes of that's gonna work. You know, so right, uh, <laughs> pretty pretty regular. Yeah. Uh, do you ever time any of your skits? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I have, I think every comedian has a general idea of what each one takes, because you'll get uh you know, maybe you get in a ramble and you look down at your watch and you only have a minute left. What, what do you do to fill that minute? You know, you have to, so you have to, you kind of have to have a pretty good idea of how long your jokes take and almost every single one of them. If you don't, if you don't have an idea, it, it I know when we're doing it up there, but every single community is away. It looks like we're just telling the jokes and we're just moving right along. But part of our brain is thinking of a completely other things. One part is performing. And one part is going, okay, I need to do this. It looks like I have about two and a half minutes left. Mm-hmm. I have to do this. Like, oh, you know what? They didn't really like that one. So let's lead up into this. You know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't like the dirtier jokes. So let's, let's scratch the second part that we were going to do. And let's add this, this, and this. Oh, wait, but I only have four minutes. So uh, let's, <laughs> let's scratch that one joke. And then I'll put this in, you know? And so it, in, in every single comic's doing that. Literally, why they're telling you the jokes, they're thinking about what's next. It's right. a very, it's a very weird. I don't, I can't do it in any other process. Like, you know, I can't do it anywhere else in my life. But in comedy, I'm able to, some reason, split my brain and think about both things. You know, interesting. It's, yeah, especially when you're hosting, because you'll be in the last five minutes. I'll be for me. I don't know if everybody does this, but I'll be in the last five minutes of my set, and I'm telling the jokes, and I'm sitting there reciting the the comics the next comics credits and name 
also in my mind, you know, so just making sure that I have that all set mm-hmm. for when, when, it, when, when I'm about to finish this joke and I'm in a minute. When it gets real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so it's uh, happening. I, it's happening. I forgot people's names. Uh, uh, a buddy of mine, Matt Price, who was a great magician comedian. He actually ended up dying. He, he went to LA and got hit by a stray bullet and a robbery and died. Oh my Lord. Yeah, it was a, definitely a bummer, man. He was from here. He's a very nice guy. Um, but I, I'd known him about a year, and I was hosting, and I was bringing him up to the stage. And for some reason, I had forgot his last name. It was Matt Price. I, it just blanked on me. And so I go, I, I go, Magic Matt, you know? And then some lady's like, have him say his name. So I put the mic out, and he shakes his head no. And uh, so I give him the mic, he gets up on the stage, he does this like hand trick and then pulls a tennis ball out of his mouth and goes, my name's Matt Price. (laughs) He had a tennis ball in his mouth. That's why he couldn't say his name. (laughs) And I had known this guy for a year, man. That was embarrassing. Did I lose you? No, I'm I'm here. I I just, uh, I I find that interesting though that it, it goes in stages of figuring out like remembering the person's name, let alone then committing it to memory. And then it gets even more confusing when you got all these other uh, just nicknames everyone has. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're trying to, yeah, I mean, you get, so like as a, as a, especially when you're hosting, when you're hosting, man, yeah, yeah there's a lot of material. Uh, people treat hosting like it's any other comic job, but it's not. That is the that is a job. You're when you're hosting, your job is to make that show run smoothly. And I think a lot of people forget that when they host. Mm-hmm. You know, you make sure that everybody's on time. You make sure everything goes smoothly. You get right. transitions. You're you, earlier. You're late. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you you do all these things. I mean, it's your job to keep the show moving. Uh, that's why I I really personally think, and a lot of comics think this way, that uh, the host should always be a veteran comedian. You know, but that's not how it is. The host is always the low man on the totem pole, you know? right? And but if you if you have a really good veteran comedian as the host, the show is so much better for everyone, including the crowd. And then because they want to raise to their level. Exactly, it's funny from the beginning. Now the feature has has a already warmed up crowd. They're ready to laugh. And then, and then the headliner gets brought up properly, and now, boom, the show's off to the races, and it's one of the most amazing shows whenever they have a good headline or a good host. I actually, now that I'm headlining a lot, I get paid more to host. So, like, hosts usually get about 25 to $50, if not just a free meal. Right. Uh, but but I get paid, like... a free McDonald's. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> I mean, a lot of places just feed you a free meal to host. That's what you get. And, uh... But but now you know people have been paying me you know two hundred dollars to host shows because they want it to be a really good show so they call me to be the host you know great. or you know yeah so it's been really nice I don't I never mind hosting so that that's great for me I uh, you know I did it like I said I did it for my whole first year was at the Laughing I just hosted five shows a week for a year mm-hmm. you know, so yeah I'm, yeah it seems like. Uh, again, uh, the sky's the limit, and you're keeping up positive energy, which is just very neat to see in here. Uh, any other tips and tricks that you recommend for those just getting up in the morning? Just, just for like, anyone just getting up in the morning? Yeah, like what am I going to do with my world and everything, and how to look at the life in just a funnier way? Yeah. You know, I used to get up like crazy. I used to just jump right out of bed and be like, yay, the sun's shining. Let's make this day, you know. But now I wake up a little achy, you know, because I'm getting older. So I wake up. But, you know, as far as uh, making your sun shine every day, I I don't know, really know how I do it. You know, I'm just like anyone else. I, I get sad and things like that. But I would say the one thing that you have to do every single day is try to push for the person that you want to be. Try to push for the things you want to be. If you're in a place where you don't like it, where you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh my God, I have to go to this job again. <laughs> yeah, find, you don't want to go find there again. it. Yeah. Find the other things, man, because there's so many things to do and we get stuck in this place. And our employers make us stuck in the place. Our employers don't want us to leave. So they create this world right. where it feels like we can't leave. But 
man, there's customers so always right. Crud. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many things out there to do. And if you really just push for what makes you happy, I, I can almost guarantee you're going to find it. You, you're going to find it. You just have to go out there and, and, and push the fear away. Maybe, maybe that's, you know what, now that we're talking about it and you've asked the question, I think that's the key to waking up and being happy is just push that fear. The fear leads to anger. The fear leads to hate. There the you go. Yoda talk. Yeah. I'm serious. I know. I guess it is very Yoda. It is yeah. very Yoda. Fear you must not have. Yeah. Fear you must not have. If you can keep the fear out of your life, I think you, you'll go so much further because with that fear, that fear is what holds you in that bad job. That fear is what holds you in that bad relationship. The fear is what makes you keep hanging out with the friends that just aren't actually your friends because you're scared that you'll never find anybody else. So if you can get that fear out of your life, you will be able to thrive and grow. And, and so true. And just I would amazing. see people who were like a heart attack away from just, just fear of just being late and it's like you, you don't need that every day that builds up in distress <laughs> yeah i mean people will work their whole life away and and you'll go why don't you just quit that damn job oh well, i couldn't i couldn't quit that job then what do i do you know like oh what i, I would uh, 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 uh. you would just find another job you know mm -hmm. it's like you would find another thing to do you know for so long I searched. I would tell my best friend, he's who I work at the plumbing company with now, and we've been best friends since we were 15. Nice. And I used, to, I used to tell him every day we'd be plumbing, and I would go, this is not the job for me. i go, this is not who I am. This is not what I'm supposed to be. Right. I didn't know what I was supposed to be. I didn't know I was supposed to be. But you didn't sign up for this particular gig. Yeah. yeah, I didn't find it for this, but what I did, I still did it for 16 years before I ever got the courage to change it. You know, I, before the strength. I the strength and the courage to change it. Don't don't wait the 16 years, people. Just just go out and find your thing. And it, it, the next thing you try might not be the thing either. You might you might quit the thing that you hate. Move on to another thing that you hate. Right. But if you've done it once, move again and keep moving till you find your thing. Get rid of the hate for yourself. Create self wisdom, and then find the thing that makes you happy. Bingo. Uh, that's that's a great way to close it out, man. That's that's very eye opening. Uh, so, where, for those on Instagram, uh, how can they find your your Instagram handle? Yeah, I'm, I'm at Nathan Stands Up on Instagram. Actually, I'm Nathan Stands Up across the board. You can find me on all things Nathan Stands Up. Wait, so uh, check him out. He's just a very clever guy, guys. And uh, we need more wit like this. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. You have a good day. Anytime. We'll return after these messages. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world, and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates, most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always, am I the winner? Yeah, not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts, or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.